Welcome to the A Jesus Church podcast. We're a family seeking to become like Jesus, empowered by His presence to partner in God's creative work of restoring the world. We pray this episode encourages and equips you along the journey. calling introverts out that way, like actually (laughs) highlighting who they are in the room is their worst nightmare. Uh, Like you just like, no, please. I'm not, I'm just going to stand up with all the other extroverts. Nobody needs to know that about me. Um, Well, good morning. My name is Jenny and this is my husband, Weston. We are pastors here at a Jesus church. Jesus church. And it is so good to be worshiping with you this morning to just have that expression of looking forward to our coming King, celebrating uh, Jesus with us, Emmanuel Christ with us, and especially love the Advent candles over here. Oh yeah. I grew up going to church and all during the sermon, all I thought about was the wax dripping and accumulating. Great, uh, now that's gonna be all they're the, thinking about. Like, it's like y'all gonna be if looking it at is, the wax. You get a free pass. It's like, Eyeballs I up here. Have, <laughs> anyway. No, the, it's just, it's a magical time of year. It is. It really is. Yeah. So we're glad to be here with you today. I got to do this incredible thing last night. My best friend had a baby this week. And so I got to go hold a newborn. And it was just amazing to hold this little eight pound tiny baby in my arms and then really think about what it was for God to come in the form of a baby. To think about the gift that God has given us in that way. And I also had like an hour to myself on the drive home because she lives in Salem. (laughs) That was also miraculous. Thus the reflection on- So you got to pick your own music? I got to pick, you, you know, true story. There's this one album that I love at Christmas time. I grew up listening to it, know every single word of every single song, but it is not my kids' jam. And they, they're great about listening to all genres of music, but when it comes to this one particular album, they're just like, no way, mom. It doesn't translate. And you know when people like really hate something that you really love, then it kind of just loses its like specialness. So I reserved that for my like one hour jam session heading back up this way and saying every word to every song. I must have looked like a sight on the highway, but I was loving it. Okay. So you're not going to tell us who it was? Yeah. The Christmas album? Yeah. Oh, y'all. Well, that's a whole different story, but I will say you probably none of you ever heard of it. Um, it's, it's an album called The Promise by Michael Card. So there, there deep yeah. in the weeds, if you guys want to turn that on, you, you know it? Come on, you are my people. I feel so seen right now. Yeah, so grew up listening to that and doesn't translate to the kids, but give it a listen on the way home, you guys. Your kids will love it. No. <laughs> yeah, well, it's good to be with you guys. Merry Christmas. Welcome to Jesus Church. Um, so much fun to anticipate the coming King. I mean, a week from today, Christmas Day, so exciting. But hey, we didn't just come here to talk about little fun little antidotes about us. We actually came (laughs) to study scripture. So um, if you would open your Bible to Luke chapter two, if you need a Bible, you can put your hand in the air and a couple guys will around the room to hand out a Bible to you. If you don't own one, you can keep this. Luke chapter two, we're gonna start in verse eight. And so if you would all stand and Jenny, if you would read it, that'd be awesome. All right. (laughs) 
and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary, Joseph, and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your words to us this morning. We thank you for the joy it is to receive this story fresh and new again. And so we ask Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, that you by your spirit would open our eyes to see our minds, to understand new and our hearts to receive something fresh that you want us to know about you and the way that you love us this morning. Thank you for coming in this way. We love you. It's in your name we pray, amen. You can be seated. As you might have imagined uh, from the passage today, we're gonna be taking a look at the shepherds and the angels. Now, one of the things about this time of year is that we see all around us evidence of this well-known story. Uh, whether it's um, a nativity scene that we see or Christmas plays or listen to Christmas music or a podcast or a teaching, There's, they're all over the place. And the beauty of that is we get to look at maybe something that's pretty familiar, oftentimes from different perspectives. And different perspectives can really help to build kind of what you think and what you know about that moment. So for example, I'd never thought about this perspective before. Uh, so one of the things that Jenny and I have just, we love doing things together from working together, teaching together, raising kids together. It's so much fun. But one of the things that we've just started doing brand new for the first time is that I finally talked her into helping me out. And she is now, you were looking at the third grade girls assistant basketball coach right here for Wilsonville. Yeah, yeah. Real thing. So we get to coach together and it's so much fun. We had our first game yesterday. Which I said, like, I'm not gonna say anything. I'm just gonna sit on the sidelines with the girls. That immediately went out the window. And I found that I could not control myself the entire game. I kept saying to myself, okay, I'm gonna stop now. But no, it just, it didn't work out. You had such good things to say, just <laughs> let did. it rip. I mean, yeah. I was like, all right, yeah, you can go I found for that it. I was as passionate as an assistant coach as I was as a fan. Go so figure. that's all anyway. I know is to yell. So we're in the timeout, all right? I call the girls into a timeout and it's been really good. 
Yeah, and we're in the timeout, and um, I was trying to teach them how to stand between their person and the bucket. You stand between your person and the basketball hoop. That's defense. If there's a line, you stand between them to guard your person from the basketball hoop. And I'm just trying to teach the simple concept. And I never thought about this before, but this one little girl said to me, I've got it. And I was like, great. And she said, it's like, and I never thought about this before. She's like, it's like we're the Americans and we're trying to protect the queen. And I said, Yes, <laughs> exactly. So we left that timeout saying, Americans, protect your queen. And I don't, I don't know that, how that worked with basketball, but it did. Yeah. And it was moment. a different perspective, right? Absolutely. So when we look at things from different perspectives, which I love doing, it helps you think so differently. But sometimes it can actually distort what reality is and distort the truth behind something. And so it's important to kind of find it. And then we see that all the time in the story of Jesus' birth. For example, the Magi. Okay, guys, you all, I had just warning in our house we know, don't bring up the Magi to dad because <laughs> it's not he that goes big. on a Magi rant. Am I right, Blakely? Yeah. So it's not that big of a deal if you just are aware. Anyway, um, so like the Magi, are they Magi? Are they three kings? Are they three wise men? And why three? Is that in the Bible? No, it's not in the Bible. Three's not in the Bible. And like, why are they at the nativity scene at the stable? They wouldn't have been there. They would have started their journey. They would have gotten to Jesus two years later. So if you're going to put them in the nativity scene, put them across the room so it looks like they're on a journey. Anyway, anyway, so just a little rant. I'm a little passionate about that. Anyway, it's fine. Um, but there's other things like December 25th. Is that the actual birth date of Jesus? Well, no. But anyway, the shepherds also are extremely fascinating. There are so many theories mm -hmm. about who these dudes were that night on the hillside. Of course, the main running theory, the main one that most people land on is this idea is that they were actually lowly and despised people in a lowly and despised occupation. Um, one that had very little respect and influence and probably had most, most similar to the reputations of beggars or thieves. Now, now the, if that is true, then the message that you could teach out of that could be really cool. You could talk all about how God sent the message of his coming Messiah to the fringes, a beautiful message that's actually, there's so much truth behind that message, right? One of the other theories that I was reading about actually is a little bit different. It says that they weren't so much lowly and despised, but they're actually influential, upstanding members of their community, citing like Moses and Abraham and David, who, who people would listen to them when they would speak and they would speak the truth and they would speak what's right. And that also could preach really cool because you could talk about how it's important to be a faithful messenger, which is true. The third theory that I found probably the most fascinating was that they weren't shepherds at all, that they were actually priests. And the role of these specific priests was to watch over the sacrificial lambs just out of, outside of the city right before Passover. Oh man, you could preach that all day long. So the message of the, of, the, of the sacrificial lamb is coming to priests who are watching over the sacrificial lamb. That would be so cool and clever and cute if it were accurate. But we find ourselves in this place of, well, which, which is it? And as I I'd spent hours trying to figure it out, and here's the deal, they're all theories. Nobody knows for sure. So I'm like, well, what are, you, what are you supposed to do with that? But the more I studied, the more I actually began to realize that any of these three theories could be true. 
And it's actually okay that we don't know. Because I don't think that the point of this story, the point of this moment is about the reputation of the shepherds. I think it's far more significant that they were shepherds. Yeah, in scripture, pattern points to meaning. And you have to look at the pattern. Shepherds and shepherding is talked about all through the entirety of the Bible. Shepherding was one of the occupations of the main characters in the Old Testament. You see Abel, Abraham, Lot, Isaac. Then there was Rachel and Jacob, Laban, Jacob's 12 sons, of course, Moses, and then the most well-known shepherd of all, David. And as a shepherd, your job was to care for the sheep or the sheep you were tending. You were to lead the sheep from pasture to pastures and to water, to protect them from wild animals, to guard them at night, whether in the open or in the sheepfolds, to carry weak lambs, to give special care to sheep who had just given birth, and to go and look for them when they wandered off. Sheep are pretty docile animals and easily distracted and completely at the mercy of their environment and predators, so it was an important job. Yeah, and a shepherd, actually, regardless of how tough their exterior, they had to know when to be gentle and then when to be a fierce protector. Hmm. They had to know when to come alongside the little lamb to carry it, to nurture it, to bring it back to health, and then when to stand strong in the face of danger. I, I think about that passage in 1 Samuel where David is actually about ready to face Goliath and he's talk, trying to explain it to Saul. He says this to Saul, he says, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Like that's not a metaphor, that's real. A shepherd had to know when to be gentle and when to be a fierce protector. It, it was not for the faint of heart. Definitely not. Now, being a shepherd wasn't the only vocation mentioned in scripture, and it probably wasn't the most important or even the most difficult. But what makes this line of work different than all the others in this pattern we see is that it's the same vocation that's listed as our Messiah coming not as a militant leader, but as a shepherd king. Yeah. Isaiah 40 points to it when he says, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. And one of the most famous passages of that of a shepherd is Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In fact, this idea of God as a good shepherd is a theme found throughout the entire scripture from Genesis all the way to Revelation. In Genesis 48, 15, as Jacob on his deathbed summarized his life, he declared that God had been his shepherd all of his life to this day. And then in Revelation 7, when the saints who come out of tribulation are brought before God, John brings together two of the most striking images of the scripture by stating, for the lamb in the center of the throne shall be their shepherd and shall guide them to springs of the water of life. And God shall wipe every tear from their eye. And probably the most compelling comparison is by Jesus himself in John 10, when he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
Yeah, because of the strength of this pattern throughout the entirety of scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, and so many places in between, it's really no surprise to me that the angels announced the coming of the Messiah, of the shepherd king, to shepherds. And it's for this reason why I really don't think it matters particularly that much who they actually were. It's far more significant that they were shepherds. Shepherds from the town of David, no doubt, who knew the prophecies and understood better than most what it took to be a shepherd and then what that meant for the coming Messiah, for the shepherd king. Luke 2, verse 8, this is what we know. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. 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 So should we talk about the angels for a minute? Let's do it. Let's talk about the angels. Angels have always been a point of fascination throughout human history, and for good reason. There have been so many artistic depictions of angels. And in scripture, we have lots of different descriptions of angels. So often in our culture, we see that angels are depicted as having wings, and we do see that as a, in a couple places in scripture. Ezekiel 1 gives a beautiful description of the angels as four-winged creatures. In Isaiah 6, he describes an angel that he saw with six wings called a seraphim. And in Daniel 10, he describes an angel he saw this way. I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I love that voice like the sound of a multitude. So Can you cool. Imagine? Yeah. In scripture, some angels are larger than life Others have multiple faces that appear like a man from one angle, a lion from another, or an ox or an eagle from another angle. And some angels are bright, shining, and fiery. And then, Hebrew tells us, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing, some have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. So there's all sorts of descriptions of angels and all sorts of ways that angels show up. And according to the scripture, whenever angels choose to reveal themselves in those moments, for the person who is standing in their presence, it's unmistakable and oftentimes met with great fear. In fact, one of the most common phrases used by angels in scripture is, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Can you imagine being so striking that when you walk into a room or at a party, you have to say, don't be afraid. It's just me. Shelby, is that with Neil Jordan? When he walks into a room, he's like, he's like, don't be afraid. It's just my hair. You know? Sorry, I'm just jealous and that's fine. the voice of an angel that's and the right. hair of an that's angel. That's right, yeah. That's so it's right. like, like, can you imagine like being so like, that you have to say, don't be afraid. What an incredible moment that must have been. Yeah, so we have these beautiful beings created by God to be his messengers among so many other things in scripture. Beings that are not bound by the laws of humanity, of time and gravity. Angels are some of the most amazing things created by God. His very presence can blind eyes, still tongues, and harden Roman soldier, cause hardened Roman soldiers to faint. And then we have this still night, 
on the hills near a town in Bethlehem where the shepherds are keeping watch over their flocks. And these shepherds, in comparison to the angels, are completely bound by the laws of humanity. Even more than that, bound by their nationality, their culture, their job, their position, even their time in history. And in that moment, in the darkness of night, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. Also, I love that God sent the angels to the shepherds at night. I mean, they would have gotten the message in the daytime for sure. The angels would have made their presence known, but at night, it would have been amazing. Like that absolute, undoubtable light overcoming darkness kind of experience can only imagine. But the angel said to them, looking down at verse 10, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now before the heavenly hosts appear, the first angel has something to say to the shepherds. His message is the good news, the culmination of all of the other messages that had been delivered, the world-changing, darkness-defying, fracture-filling good news, the real solid build-your-life-on-reality. To you is born this day the Savior, the one who is Messiah and Lord. Now, I want to be real clear about something. Either this is the most solid truth ever given in human history or we're all just wasting our time. What it can't be is just kind of true. This is either the most solid groundbreaking truth of all time that today is born the Savior which is Christ the Lord today. Heaven and earth are coming together today. God is becoming man today. This is either the most important solid truth of all time or we're just wasting our time and it would have been better to sleep in and watch football and all those sort of things. But if it is true, if it is true that this child born in Bethlehem that night, was and is the Messiah, the Lord, then that must translate into something far more solid and life-changing and community-building than just a warm, nostalgic glow at Christmas time. Yeah. It has to be. It's either completely the most important thing that we could build our life in, or it's rubbish. There's no in-between. And after the lead angel gave the message and a sign to confirm the message, then the whole skies lit up. Verse 13, suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. What an incredible sight that must have been. What an incredible message it was to receive. And in this moment, when the quiet night on the hillside was overwhelmed with angels singing, it's in this moment that we actually find a key to the entire story, to the entire message. And it's this, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace 
to those on whom his favor rests. Now listen, these are not two separate things. I think often when I read this, I think glory to God in heaven and for those of us on earth, peace on earth. These are not two separate things. These are not two separate things. The whole point of Christmas is when the word became flesh, when God became man, when Jesus was born in that moment, heaven and earth combined. In that moment, we actually see God becoming man. And in that moment, what was ushered into our reality is this upside down truth that giving glory to God in the highest heaven is directly linked, dare I say, dare I say the exact same thing as to working for peace and justice in his name on this earth. Another way to say that is when we work for peace and justice on this earth, when we allow what God has given us to overflow into those around us, what we are doing is bringing glory to God in the highest of heaven. They're not two separate things. They are one and the same. And this is the beauty of the message of the angels. He said, today, there's a new thing that's happening. Today, right now, Jesus is born as a man, as a baby, as a baby that's helpless and needs everything. And this child, this Messiah who's come in has now completely changed the way that we get to live in a way that when we seek to bring the peace of God to the world around us, we are at the same time giving glory to God in the highest of heaven. Mm -hmm. And that's the story of Christmas. That's the beauty of the message that the angels sang is that right now, everything changes. A savior is coming. N.T. Wright says it this way. And we who worship this Jesus on this holy night, we who listen again to the song which the angels sang once and only once, we who begin to glimpse the reality that in Jesus, heaven and earth really did come together, we now have the responsibility to learn to sing the song for ourselves and so to discover what it might look like in practice for Jesus really to be the Savior, the King, the Lord in this world. I don't, I don't think it really matters who the shepherds were. And I believe it is important that they were shepherds. But I think for you and I today, the message just isn't simply to listen and understand and like, oh yeah, that's a fun story to listen to. I think there's so much more for us. I believe the message for you and I this morning is simply this. The angels came, they sang their song. Now what? If that song is true, and it is, if that song is true, and it is, now what? Yeah, it was saying 2,000 years ago, but it's still true. Now what? Now what is our response to that? I think the key is to look at how the shepherds responded. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary, Joseph, and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed and at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. When the shepherds heard the greatest news of all time, delivered by the greatest messengers of all time, their response was, 
to go to Jesus, to spread the good news, and to glorify God. And the angel's message is still just as powerful and relevant today as it was on that hillside 2,000 years ago. But the question is, do we live our lives in a manner that demonstrates that this is true? Do we, as N.T. Wright says, learn to sing the song for ourselves? Are we actively working to give glory to God in the highest heaven by working for peace and justice on this earth? Do we respond like the shepherds responded? Everything in me wants to say, yes, I respond like the shepherds, but do I? Do I go to Jesus? Do I spread the good news? Do I seek to glorify God? You know, just last week, I was sitting with a lady who was having, going through a really hard time. And as I was sitting there with her, all of a sudden she looked up at me and blurted out, why are you so good? And immediately the thought that came to my head was, well, Jesus. And then she quickly followed the question with, was it your mom or your dad? And I just shrugged my shoulders and said, neither. And it really bothered me this week. As I, as I thought, sat and thought about that exchange with her, and mind you, this was a woman who I've been praying for, a woman who I've been praying and asking God for opportunities to share the love of Jesus with. And then instead of saying something, I just said neither and shrugged my shoulders. And so as I wrestled with this interaction that I'd had with her, Jesus, like a good shepherd, led me in my quiet time this week to the book of Jeremiah. And I was really struck by the pattern of God's people. They asked God for a sign or to save them or to tell them what to do, give them some sort of direction. And when he responds, and he does, instead of thanking him or obeying him or worshiping him, their response was to grumble or disobey or worship something else. And I had to ask myself, as I wrestled with this interaction that just kept gnawing at me. Is that me? In that moment, when the Spirit prompted me to sing, invited me to share the good news in my response to her, who or what was I worshiping? Instead of obeying what God had told me to do, like the shepherds did, I worshiped something else, another idol. Maybe not idolatry in the way that you may think, but what about the idolatry of acceptance? Where her beliefs and opinions trump the reality of good news of Jesus. Or where I get to play the really good person, dare I say, savior in her life, by omitting the real truth about who I am and the amazing grace I get to live by so that I can be accepted in that moment. Or maybe where I think that my goodness is just good enough so that I don't live like Jesus is the good news. 
We all know what it is to have good news and want to share it. A couple weeks ago, um, I came back to church here and there was a woman who greeted me and said, there you are, where have you been? And I'd been gone for two weeks solid with sick kids at home. And so I was surprised by her greeting. And then she said, I have something to tell you. She said, God healed me. And this was a woman that previously I'd gotten to pray with that in the time where we opened up for people to come, she obeyed God's calling to her and came forward. And she had a medical issue that she just wanted to know if God wanted to heal. And he did. But then she said something that struck me so deeply. She said, it's about 75% gone. So it doesn't bother me on a day-to-day basis. She's like, but I kind of don't want God to take it all the way away so that I forget to be dependent on him. That just struck me straight to the heart. What worship. What worthiness to worship a God with your whole being in that way to say, Lord, I'm yours. That's what my response should have been like. One of humility, dependence, and delight in the Lord. So yeah, that's been my week. (laughs) One where I had to confess to God and ask his forgiveness for worshiping myself and pray for another opportunity to worship him. You know, the wonderful thing about reading the Old Testament is the way that it prepares your heart for the gift of the New Testament and the story of Jesus coming. The way that despite a wandering, idolatrous, disobedient people, God so loved the world that he gave. He came to a stable in Bethlehem. He pursued his people like that of a shepherd. He loved to the depths of the grave and into the highest heaven. And he's coming back. It really is good news. The angels sang their song. They did their job. Now what? The shepherds came to Jesus and they spread the news and they glorified God. Do we come to Jesus? Do we spread the news? Do we glorify God as if the angel's message is true? Leading up to Christmas, no doubt we'll be with family and friends and, and other people. I guess our challenge to you all, to all of us this morning, ourselves included, is are we prepared to sing when the Holy Spirit prompts? Even if it just means a response of, what makes you so good, Jesus? Are we, repaired, are we prepared to respond out of the faithfulness of who he is? Like the story is, like the message of the angels is the most solid truth that we can possibly live our lives on, because it is. I know that this week there will be moments for you to step out, to put down that idolatry of acceptance or pride or whatever it might be, and to completely give glory to Jesus. The shepherds came. They saw Jesus. They told others and they glorified God. To end here, let's clear, clear your lap of anything. If you would stand with me as we pray. I just want to take a moment. 
just want to take a moment, kind of in the quietness of our own mind and our own hearts, If you want to open your hands, you sure can as a, as a physical response of receiving. And just ask, Holy Spirit, God, I want to be faithful. I want to learn to sing. Give me the courage, God, to respond as the shepherds did. Thanks for listening. For more resources and to partner with us through giving, visit us at ajesuschurch.org.